Um, oh, dude, was that baby dedication so cool? Oh, that was that was our first one as a church, and I'm looking forward to several more. It was just an awesome opportunity to do that and get to do it again with another family tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, hey, I need to I need to address something, and I need you to help me. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, we're just living life together, doing these things, and here's what's happening. Um, Shine Church is growing. That's a, that's a good thing, right? It is a good thing. Uh, se- several of you have come up to me in the last six months and said, what are you going to do about that building? What are you going to do about that building? And you are, you are prophesying to me that we need to do something with the building. So we're going to do something with the building. Um, and so here's what I need you to do. Uh, would you please begin to pray about... Um, the next steps. Here's what we're considering right now and how we're going to move forward. Um, we believe that the Holy Spirit is leading us to actually take this wall and push it back 12 feet. Um, and the reason would be uh, so that we can open up probably about 35 to 40 chairs, um, which actually gives us a little bit more growth. Ultimately, though, we like what's happening just in the two services. This family on Saturday night, we have the exact same dynamic happening on Sunday morning. And so we want to try to keep that because once we make the move to go to three services, um, it kind of breaks that apart. Does that make sense? And I love this community that we've got here in this field. And so we just feel like the, the, the next step right now is to just give us a little bit more room um, and it will open up. Um, again, 35 to 40 per service, which opens up 82, probably, if you add kids, probably 100 to 110 more people in the church before then we have to do something um, where we would go to multiple services on a Sunday morning, or maybe even, I, looking at this, maybe even a Saturday night, because we've got this room full, and we probably have 40 youth over there. If we have a service where the youth are in for worship, we're in trouble, uh, in this current state, which is, this is a good thing. This is a really good thing. Um, I know, um, I've heard it said this way, pastors like it big, um, but the, the, the people like it small. Um, but the truth is, when, uh, when God is doing something, healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. And, and so uh, we're excited about that. But to be quite honest with you, I like things small too. And so we're just going to have to be very intentional that as God continues to grow in this place, we're just going to be very intentional about doing things that will try to keep it in that small community feel. And we'll, we'll seek the heart of the Lord through your prayers. Please be praying for direction, wisdom for the leadership team. If any of you have any uh, creative ideas, I'm open to hearing those things. You guys know how this works. Please share with me. I would love to hear your thoughts and ideas about that. Um, But right now, the first step, we believe, is to move that wall out. So what we're going to do is this week, we've already started to get some uh, some bids on different things. Um, We're going to try to get all those numbers done by the end of this week so that next weekend we can tell you, hey, this is what what it's going to cost us. And uh, these are the dates that we'd like to move forward. Ultimately, I would love to have it done by Easter because then that solves an Easter problem that we are going to have as well. Um, because church tends to uh, grow by about 50%, if not more, on Easter Sunday. <laughs> it's just how it goes. Um, so do a couple things for me. Pray for wisdom and direction as a leadership team on what we should do and how, how to go about it. Uh, pray that the people that we would get to help us to do this uh, would be the right people. And then pray about getting involved financially. Um, we're going to come to you in the next couple of weeks and say, hey, help us out um, with this project. Um, and we'll start our first, our very first Shine Church building project. 
I'm not really excited about it, to be honest with you. I've been a part of too many already. Um, there's always complications, and it, it'll all stretch your... It, I'm, I'm ready, Lord, to stretch my faith. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, but hey, um, again, healthy things grow, and we're super excited about it. So please join us in praying for those things. And if you have any questions or, or feedback, please let me know. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, part two of uh, God-centered stewardship. And uh, I would want to open just by asking God to speak through me to you. Would you open and ask God to speak to you uh, tonight? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and we thank you so much for, uh, God, I thank you for the Ennis family. I thank you for uh, that little baby um, and what a, just a joy that baby dedication was. And I, I just can't imagine the smile that you have uh, as you look at this whole entire family that joined together with them in prayer as we lifted that little boy up to you. And so, Lord, um, God, we pray that it wouldn't just stop right there, but Holy Spirit, that you would continue to minister to us and touch our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase in me. And as I start to communicate the heart that you um, have shared with me this week, God, I pray that I would communicate it in a manner uh, that is received well, that your Holy Spirit can use it to touch the hearts and the minds of the people that are sitting here tonight. God, change us. God, come in and give us an understanding that maybe we never had before. Um, and God, I pray that you would do just the supernatural in this word. And we thank you for that. And we lift you up in your name. Everybody said amen. All right, just a quick reminder. Um, this whole God-centered living series started at the beginning of the year. And uh, I believe the Lord led me to 2 Timothy 2.22, which says, uh, with all of the church, uh, pursue righteousness Faith, love, and peace. And what we've been saying is that if you understand where God sees or where God sets on a subject matter, that then you can take it and put it into personally and you can have faith because once you hear what God says about it, faith comes by hearing. You can then step out and you can actually apply it individually into your life, which then as you apply it, you do so with love and then as you do it with love, it brings that wholeness or it brings that peace into your life. And um, in this particular series, the, or this portion of the series, the God-centered or uh, stewardship, uh, Pastor DJ started it last week and he did an incredible job. Um, he did an amazing job with the understanding that, um, you know what, um, God doesn't desire sacrifice. And it says, uh, he, he actually desires obedience, but then he looked into that word obedience and it actually means to hear. And that was just, you should have seen us at the teaching team in the office. To hear, oh my gosh, I mean, it just blew our heads. We were just, what in the world? Because it just takes it away from legalism about, hey, I've got to do these things and it puts it back on him. Speak to me. It's his job to speak to us. And when we hear him, then we can be good stewards of everything that he has given to us. Would you agree with that? And so um, I thought he just did an incredible job setting this up. And so what we're going to do this weekend is we're going to go from that and we're going to actually go into individually. Okay, so now how can we apply this individually? And as I was praying for this message and what God's heart was, I just kept coming back to Matthew 25, which is the parable of the talents, 
Okay, it's the parable of the talents. Now, what's interesting is I was thinking about teaching it, and then last weekend, I actually went and heard a friend of mine, Ethan Matat. Some of you probably know him or have heard the name. I went to listen to him speak, and he actually taught a little bit on the, on the story or the parable of the talents. And I was like, okay. And he had some good things, and I was like, okay, Lord, I want to go there. I, I feel like you're leading me to that. And so that's what we're going to do tonight is I want to talk about God-centered stewardship, but from now more of a personal. We understand that God, in the big 30,000-foot view, he wants us to hear his voice, and he wants to speak to us, and then when he does, we just step out in the things that he tells us to do. But what does that look, for, look like for each of us individually? And so um, I'm gonna start back at Matthew 24, and if you're following along on the YouVersion, Bible.com, um, I had to put a different version because they didn't have the version I used. Um, I used the Berean Study Bible, um, and so I had to put the Holman Christian because it was the closest that I could find. Um, so you may want to follow with the screens if, you, if you're one of those guys that want to have it perfect word for word for word. Matthew 24, 3. Um, it starts a section where Jesus is teaching where when the parable of the talent, it's kind of a run, you know, he's teaching this, teaching this, teaching this, teaching this. It's all at one time. It's in the same kind of message or same instruction that he is giving to the disciples. And it came because the disciples asked him this in Matthew 24, 3. While Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. They said, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of of the age. Now what's interesting is Jesus begins to then instruct them on things that will come near the end of the age. And the first thing that he begins to tell them is that there would be great deception. That a lot of people would come in his name and profess things that just weren't true. And I think that as we get closer and closer to the end times, I think we see more and more deception. I think we've been talking about that in, in past weeks is the power of the deception that can come in and, and the, the lies that we start to believe when we don't put God as the center of our lives. Then he moved in and he said, and know this, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to follow me, but in the end times as things get closer, man, it's going to get harder and harder to serve me. Do you know it's getting harder and harder to serve God right now in this world? Are we here? Do you know, I've heard that in California, they're trying to ban the Bible because it speaks, because it's just intolerant. This is the world we're living in. Okay, there's persecution coming. It's going to get stronger for those who believe. Then he goes on and he says, hey, so as this happens, then you need to look for um, basically the Antichrist, um, the one that sets himself up in Israel and actually talks about, hey, you need to watch the fig tree, the fig tree being Israel. Watch it because you'll know when the fruit is ripe. Okay? Then it goes and talks about his return, that he's going to return suddenly. And he says, no one will know when this comes. And he actually tells a little story uh, about um, people that are waiting for the master to return and that they get tired of waiting. You know, one of the things that we talked about um, for, for Christmas Eve, I don't know if you guys remember this, but think about how long they had been waiting for the Messiah to come. And then all of a sudden he came and many people missed him. 
And now here we are again in a long waiting period for Jesus to come back. Very much in the same way, it's a promise from God that he's returning. Are you waiting well? Are you waiting well? And what's interesting is he goes from that then into the parable or the story of the 10 virgins. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like... And he tells the story of 10 virgins that go because they hear the master's coming. Five have, they all have lamps, five have oil, and five are running out. And so the five who run out have to go buy more, more oil, and the master returns when they're gone. And when they come back, they knock, Lord, let us in, let us in. And a very st- scary statement, actually. They knock, Lord, let us in. And he goes, I did not know you. And so... Um, That's the story. I mean, those are the instructions. That's the teaching he's giving as we lead into then the parable of the talent. And so I want to read it to you, and then I'm going to have you guys help me. I'm going to try something new tonight. I'm going to have you guys help me to pull out the uh, story or, or the wealth that is found in this scripture. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. For it is just like, for it is just like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted them with his possessions. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his own ability. And he promptly went on his journey. The servant who had received the five talents went and put them to work and gained five more. Likewise, the one with the two talents gained two more. But the servant who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The servant who had received the five talents came and presented five more. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enjoy or enter into the joy of your master. The servant who received the two talents also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Finally, the servant who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So in my fear, I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, You have what belongs to you. You wicked, lazy servant, replied his master. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received it back with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw that worthless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, before I ask for your help, I want to set up a couple things. The first one is this. I believe this story goes beyond money. As a matter of fact, if you look at the word talent, um, it actually means a weight. 
Back in the time, they would take the coins that they have and they would put them on a scale to, to measure out. It, you know, something would cost this much weight and they would take that weight and put it on the scale. And so, yes, clearly, there is a monetary aspect of this parable. But I believe that it goes beyond a monetary aspect. I think that he's trying to teach us something about the resource that he gives to each one of us in our lives. And so my first question to you is this. Um, what resources has God given it to us? Help me out. Huh? Job? Okay, absolutely. What else? What? Time. Absolutely. Would you guys consider time a resource? Is it one that you wish you had more of? <laughs> Everybody I talk to, how are you doing? Busy. Yeah, I, meaning I need more time. I would love to have more time. Can we have eight days in this seven-day week? That would be great. What else? What other resource? Skills. Ability to actually, somebody said work over here. The ability to actually do the job. Um, you know, you do have the ability that a, in order to do the job that you have. Um, my son posted on Facebook a couple weeks ago um, this formula um, that was, it was like eight lines long. It was an Excel formula, and it just went on and on and on. If, and I mean, just, and it just went on and on and on and on. And people were commenting, and somebody actually commented and said, oh my gosh, I, man, I pity the person who had to come up with that formula. And Andrew replied back and said, um, yeah, I made up that formula. <laughs> I, I mean, oh my gosh, there's, a, there's a, an ability in my son that I do not have. And I'm good with numbers, but not like that. Not like that. And it's been something that he's realized that it's a God-given thing that God has given to him, the ability, the skills to do that. Okay, so we have the time, we have our talents, um, and then we have money, obviously, that is a resource. Can you think of any other resource? The Holy Spirit? Love that. Absolutely great resource, right? The Word of God says that because Jesus died for us, that we could have access to the Father. How do we have that access? Through the Holy Spirit. What an incredible resource to realize you have and to enter into that. Anything else that you guys come up with? Spiritual giftings. Absolutely. Love it. Which goes beyond just skills, right? It's actually a gifting that you have. Love that. What do you say? Experience. Experience meaning what? Being able to help others because you made the boneheaded mistake. You're trying to help them not do it, right? Yeah, if you're younger in here, I want you to know that there's two ways you can learn. You can learn through the mistakes that we made or you can make them yourselves. I would strongly encourage you, get with people older than yourselves and ask them what mistakes they made because it'll save you tons of time and pain. And I know some of you are listening to me right now and going, no, I'm going to learn my own way. Well, okay. It's the hard way. And many of us in this room went through that. Absolutely, definitely a resources experience. When we start taking this apart, I want you to realize that there are actually, you can pretty well define the resources that we have into the Holy Spirit, the giftings he's given us, the skills that he's given us, the time that he's given us, and the money that he's given us. Would you agree? Um, and so as we read through this, let's filter it with that understanding. In the first verse, it says, for it is just like. Okay, so help me out. For it is just like. What is it? Does anybody know? 
the kingdom of heaven. We found in 25 verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is like. It tells the parable, and then it goes right into the next parable. So he's continuing that thought. Any disagreement there? Okay, we're going to have a little Bible study right now with one another. So uh, it's going to be a big, large room Bible study, but we're... I'm hoping this will help you. Here's what I thought when I was, was preparing this. What a great way to help people understand just kind of how I even process through um, a message. Because what I do is I take a section of scripture that I believe the Lord is leading me to, and then I just start to pull it apart and start to look into uh, different aspects of the verse. And I think it's important to know that when it says, for it is like, you need to know what the it is. Okay? The it is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so this entire parable is explaining the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Agreed? Okay. For it is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his possessions. What comes to mind when you read or hear the thing or the thought that he entrusted his servants with his possessions? Pastors taking care of one another in the church? And, and if I'm hearing you right, that the pastors would then enable and say, hey, look, here's other people. I, I'm trusting you to help this person in, in a, care for one another. I love that. Love that. I didn't even think about that as I was studying this out, but I love that. Hey, we're a body of Christ, and I think we should support one another. And maybe um, we need to understand the kingdom of heaven is like a master. Do we all agree that the master in this story is Jesus? Yeah? Okay, so here we have a good master. We know the heart of God is that he loves and he cares for us. He's a good God, okay? And so what he says is he goes to the service and he says, here's my possessions. What else comes to mind when you think that? Think about that. It's not ours. He entrusted us with his possessions. Boy, I want you to get a hold of this. Because if I told any one of you, hey, would you run to my house, and here's my keys, would you run to my house, grab my car, and bring it here, I don't think any of you would go to my house, get in my car, pull it up here, and go, it's now mine. Even though I, I understand possession is nine-tenths of the law, right? But I think all of us would go, oh, no, this, is, this isn't mine. I was just a steward of this for Dan for a time. What else comes to mind? What'd you say? Children in what? In that in the, he's given us his possessions? Okay. We're his children. He's given us his, his possessions. So that somebody said something over here. We're not all equal. Kind of going ahead a little bit, right? With the five and two. And, no, that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. See, as you start to read that, thoughts start to go. You start to think about possessions and you start to think, oh, wait. He didn't give each one the same amount. He gave different amounts, which we'll get to in just a minute. Any other thoughts in regards to he gave, pulled his servants together and he gave him his possessions? It's money, absolutely. Yeah, in this case it was money, a weight of money. Trust and confidence in him. Now, here's what really kind of drew out of me in this story. Um, I don't know if I ever really realized in reading this, and I've read this parable several times. I don't know if I ever really realized the trust that he was putting into his servants. Um, to be quite honest with you, I think I found myself hanging out on um, 
the port, the parts that talk about where he reaps, where he doesn't sow, he gathers where he doesn't spread. And, and thinking about that aspect of it with almost like he's an angry servant, which, which is interesting because that doesn't line up with Jesus, does it? So I got, I got an idea about that a little bit later, I'll share. But I think what it means is he's saying, hey, I'm giving to these servants these talents and I'm entrusting them. I'm giving the things that are mine and I'm giving them to you. Church, God is giving us and has given us gifts, talents, skills, time. He's given us money. And I think it's important to comprehend this that he's given each of us, every single one of us, a measure of his possession. And as we go into this, I want you to think through, how am I doing stewarding what God has given me? And it goes on. It says this, to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his own ability. And he promptly went on his journey. Okay, so you brought up, he gave out uh, unequal portions. To one he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one, which is interesting. What does that mean to you as you think through that, as you hear me say that? What comes to mind when it comes to today, living right here at Shine Church, this body of Christ, what do you think that means to us as a body? Everybody has different abilities. What else comes to mind? Responsibility, go into that a little bit. Some people are capable of holding more than others. Anybody get jealous of that person that gets to hold more than you do? You don't have to raise your hand, but I will personally sacrifice myself and say, yes, I get jealous about that. But it's quite clearly from this story, and remember Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, Huh? Okay, some will be rewarded. Well, you're jumping ahead again. We'll get there, but no, I love that. I, I love it. It's good. I love this. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, I think it's very um, evident through this story that he wants us to understand that he's going to give his servants. He's going to give to us, his children. He's going to give us talent, skills, time, money, according to what he sees best for us. Okay, and let me see if I can um, prove that out in the next line there. It says, he gave according to his own ability. You know, I, I think, again, reading through this, I always thought that he kind of just randomly, well, I'll give one five, one two, and, and one one, and we'll see how this goes. But that's not what he did. He actually gave it out, and it says, according to his ability. Now, I'm going to help you because this is how I study. So I go on to BibleHub.com. I encourage all of you to do that. I've got a screenshot if you guys want to pull that up. And I look up that verse, um, verse 15, I believe, or is it 16? i got to get my glasses. 15. Look up verse 15, and here it is. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another. All these other lines below it are different translations, so you can see how it's written and worded differently in different translations, uh, but I want to go into 
deeper depth because I want to know what ability is. So up near the top, you'll see right up the third word from the top there, it says Greek from the right side. And so I click on the Greek word. I hit Greek and this slide comes up, which is, wow, that's really blown up. Um, it's, you'll get the just each word goes through um, for that verse and you'll see the word ability near the bottom. And over there next to it is the Greek word and then the Greek number, the actual number that is used um, for reference for Greek words. And so you click on that number right there and this is what comes up. Okay, it comes up. Here's the word, the meaning of ability. And here's what I found very interesting. The word is dunamis. Dunamis is commonly used as power. Many times in the New Testament, the word is miracle or miraculous. So this servant, just for those that are learning through the study thing, so now you can read through the definition, what it means. You can actually see word studies, the different things where it says dunamis, properly ability uh, for the believer, power to achieve by applying the Lord's inherent uh, abilities, power through God's ability. So it kind of just describes the word. And over on the right side, it shows you where that word is used in different places in the Bible. It's a really cool, helpful study tool. Any one of us can do this. Now, the reason I take time to do that is because I want you to get into the word of God. And it becomes fun when you do it this way and you start looking into this, biblehub.com. All right, here's what jumped out at me. That this master came to his servants, gave them his possessions according to the power he had seen in their lives. Would you agree with that? Could it be, church, that the thing that you're longing for, God, man, just use me, use me, use me, and he's like, I'm, I'm not, you're not ready yet. I haven't seen you be faithful with the little yet so that I can then give you more. Because he gave these talents based on the ability or the power that he had already seen in these servants. And so as we think about God-centered stewardship, let me ask you, how are you doing with your time? Are you actually carving a portion of your day to get with God? so that then he can give you more? Or are you just going through life and just, man, if you remember God, you're lucky. How are you doing with your talents? How are you doing with the skills and the giftings that God has given to you? Are you, are you looking at somebody else and God, oh God, I wanna be more like that person and not realizing that you have ability and talent and skills that he wants to use right now, right here? in this body, in this community? Or are you looking at somebody else and wishing you could be like somebody else? How are you doing with your money? If I were to look at your checkbook, what would it tell me? Because our checkbook or our bank statement tells us a lot about where our priority is. Let me say it a different way. Our bank statement will tell us a lot about where we've been put in power. How you doing? Because according to this, as we're focused on God's standard stewardship, it says that the master will give us his possessions based on what he's seen us do. 
Now, here's the good news. I believe this is a parable that continues to go over and over and over and over and over in our life. It's not just like you had one opportunity and then you blew it or you did well. I believe it's something that if you grab a hold of and you take it in tonight and you go, oh God, I want to be a good steward for the things that you have for me, then he'll start whispering to you and you'll say, okay, so how are you doing with your time right now? What are you doing with your talent? What are you doing with your skill? What are you doing with your resource right now? And he'll begin to speak to you and you'll know, you'll know, you'll know when you're knower how you're doing. Because I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has told me something, but I have just walked the other way in it. Give this person this money. <laughs> no. Don't you know what's coming? I got to spend it here. Hey, spend a half an hour and go hang out over here. I got a meeting. I can't do it. And he'll, he'll convict us in, in those things. Okay, I got to move on because we'll never get through this in one section. Promptly went on his journey. The servant who had received the five talents went and put them to work and gained five more. Likewise, the one with the two talents gained two more. But the servant who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Help me out. As you hear about how those three individuals responded to the possessions that the master gave, how they stewarded those possessions, what comes to mind? God called, so it's interesting at the TC. Right. Right. I told the teaching team, I said, man, understanding this as I've been just praying through it and, and thinking about it, it's actually kind of no surprise that the one that was given one didn't do anything with it. Because if it was actually given according to what he had seen, the power or his ability that was poured out, then it's no shocker. I totally agree with you. It's no shocker that the one that was given one kind of missed out on that. It wasn't the one who gave one got five. That would be a really cool story, right? But that's not what happened. I'd love that insight. Good job. Hmm, love it. What else comes to mind when you think about those three? He was just lazy. It would have been better if he would have tried something and lost it, right? Yeah. Boy, boy, I want, for whoever has ears to hear, what was just said right there was just so good. I think our father would rather have us risk it and miss it than to hold it in and hide it. Angela. Big gift. Yeah. 
So I, I, I've read different translations that have said different amounts. I'm not sure. I do know it's a, it was a lot of money. I mean, it was. And so maybe that scares us off. Agree with that? Um, and the Holy Spirit absolutely will guide us into using that. Um, but good insight. I love that, Angela. Very good. Somebody else had their hand over here. Love that. Love that. Neil said, just to make sure everybody, even online, can hear it. Neil basically said, hey, listen, we, we correlate this and we put money to it and go, wow, five's more than two and two's more than one. Um, but the truth is, in this story, at least according to how this said, if we need to have the understanding that um, the one talent is just as powerful if it's used correctly as the two talents and as the five talents. Would you all agree with that? Love that. That's, man, I didn't even study that. That was good. Love, thank you for helping me out with that. Love it. I, here's, here's what I think about um, when I see this. I put myself in the shoes of the people that were receiving those talents for just a second and just say, okay, so how am I gonna respond if, if this master would have come and given me that? And there was something different between the person who had five and the person who had two than the one with the one. In my mind, they both had this understanding that, wow, if my master entrusts me with this, then I need to go for it. I need to do something with it. I need to go out. And here's what's interesting to me. Um, I had always heard this story and kind of had the filter that the master was a mean, angry person. But could it be that actually the mean, angry person was just because the person who had the one talent saw him that way? Because we all agreed that Jesus was the master in this story. And we know that God is not an angry God, but at times it does seem like he's unfair. The story of him going out and hiring a worker and said, I'll have you work for a denarii and work all day from nine to five. And then at 11, and then at one, and then at three, and then at five. He hired all these individuals and then he pays the one that he started at five o'clock and he gives him one denarii. And the person at nine sees that and goes, oh yeah, if he got one for one hour, what am I gonna get? He got one day's wage for one hour. I worked all day long, I worked eight hours. I could potentially get eight days wage here. And he gave him one. And the master in that story goes, are you upset at me for my generosity? But I bet to that guy, he thought God seemed really unfair. And I found myself thinking in regards to this, how often do we think it's unfair that somebody else has something that we don't have and we miss the opportunity to steward well what we've been given? what we've been given. After a long time, the master, 
of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The servant who had received the five talents came and presented five more. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The servant who had received the two, basically the exact same thing. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. As you hear those two stories, what comes to mind? Exact same language to both. And it was exactly the same multiplication rate. Five went to 10, two went to four. It was times two in, in this story. Um, so I just want you to know that if you steward well, I want you to grab hold of this. If you steward well, there is multiplication that God says will happen. Oh, that should be a better amen than that, everybody. <laughs> if you steward well, there's a multiplication. The kingdom of heaven is like... If you understand this and grab a hold of this individually and realize I've been given a certain amount of time, I've been given a certain amount of talent, I've been given a certain amount of money, and if I steward it well, there will be multiplication. I don't do it for the multiplication, but if I steward it well, multiplication is just something that is in the kingdom of heaven. This is good. It's good news. And this is what he says. I want you to enter into the joy of your master. Do you know in Nehemiah it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength? Oh, get this. Please understand this. If the joy of the Lord is our strength and the way that we enter into the joy of our master is to take what he has given us and steward it well, oh, this is really important to get a hold of. This is very important to understand and pull in. And here's what's great. I believe that this is something that you can grab a hold of right now, tonight, and go, you know what, God? Help me be a good steward. And you will see this principle start to apply in your life immediately. Immediately. Don't get hung up. Don't get condemned. There's no condemnation in those that serve Jesus Christ. This isn't a message to give you guilt or make you feel bad. Well, I haven't been using my time right or my talent right or my money right. Um, this is a message to say, hey, guess what? God is the God of not if only he's got a but now. But now that you know, then enter into the, his joy. We do that by being good stewards. And DJ taught us last week that in order to be a good steward, we hear. We have to, man, it all comes back to listening, guys. It all comes back to the relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason Jesus died is so that we could have access to the Holy Spirit so we could hear him. And when we hear him, then we can begin to receive and understand what talents, what possessions he's given to us. And when we begin to receive that and understand that, then we can steward those things well. If we don't, here's what happens. Finally, the servant who had received the one talent came and said, Master... I knew that you are a hard man. I looked up the word hard. What do you think that means? Huh? No understanding? Okay. Um, it what? 
No compassion? Actually, that's not what that word means. So it's interesting. What, what else comes to mind? When you, huh? Truth? Shrewd. Shrewd. Sorry. Strict. Just. I, I'm not hearing. I'm stuffed up tonight. What? Cheap. 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 Do you know that, um, go home, go to BibleHub.com, look up the word hard. I'm not hard. Yeah, hard. Look up the word hard. Um, it is actually none of those. It actually means to be unwavered. Oh, man, is that huge or what? I know you to be a man who is unwavered in what you stand for. Oh, that changes the whole meaning, doesn't it? I know that you're a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So in my fear, I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, so you have what belongs to you. All right, for sake of time, I want you to understand. And when, I just want you to realize, when I say for sake of time, always in my mind, I'm thinking about a nursery worker's I know you guys probably were like, hey, keep going, keep going. And our nursery workers are like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Here's my thought on this. I believe that this man that was given the one talent, first off, had shown himself unfaithful so far as a servant. So that the master could only give a portion, one portion, possession. But here's the good news. Even though he knew his ability, his power, the, what he had already displayed, the master still gave him one. So I want you to hear that. Even if you feel like you haven't stewarded well, you know what God's saying is? Or God's saying, hey, let's try again. Let's go now. But before you go to him and say, okay, God, help me to be a better steward, I want you to understand you have to have the right understanding of who he is. Because if you think he's a hard, in all those other definitions, unfair, reaping where he doesn't sow, gathering where he doesn't scatter, if you think God is this gray head, gray beard, austere, angry God, then you're gonna start on the wrong foundation. And that's what happened with this servant, in my opinion, is that he had the incorrect view of the master. And here's what's interesting to me in this, is that because of his incorrect view, it says that out of fear, he hid the talent. Oh man, get this. How many people in church don't use their money their talents, their time, because they think God is out to get them. And instead of trying something and failing, because they feel like God will squash them if they do, they decide, I'll just hide it. I'll just, hide, I'll just live life. I'll just try to be as good as I can, but I'm not gonna stretch, I'm not, I'm not gonna step out. Could that be that? And so when we're thinking about 
God-centered stewardship. I want to remind you, I think it goes beyond just money. I think it goes up beyond into our resources. I think we all agreed that it pretty much can be fit into the categories of time, treasure, and talent. Matthew 6.20, DJ used this verse last week, but I want to remind you of it. It says this, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Treasures, I tell the staff all the time, when they do something that's just selfless and caused, you know, they, they went out of their way to um, maybe not do what they wanted to do, but do what they feel like the Holy Spirit is, I look at them and go, T-I-H. And they always look at me like, huh? The treasure's in heaven. The treasure's in heaven. The word of God says to store up treasures in heaven. First Timothy 6.17 says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Um, just so you know, every single person in this room is rich. Now, you might not think you're rich, but you are rich. Most of the world makes $2 a day. If you're making more than that, you're rich. You know, it's funny. Um, I heard a speaker say this a couple weeks ago. He, he, he basically said, you know, when you're at this certain level, financially, and you see somebody up here, you're like, oh, I can't believe them. I can't believe they do that. And they, oh my gosh. And then a couple years later, they find themselves in that place and they're doing all those things. But you're looking up at the person above you going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they make that much. I can't believe they do that with that money. And then all of a sudden you get there and you end up doing the same thing. It's funny how we look at these things. I want you to understand you're rich. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves. There it is again. Lay up treasure in heaven. Treasures for themselves is a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The thing that I want to really bring out in that is that halfway through it says that God richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. God doesn't want us to take the things that he's given us and hate giving it back out. He actually gives us these things. He asks us to steward these things so that we can actually enjoy giving out these things. One of the funnest things that we've done as a staff in the last couple months is give away your money to some of our missionaries now. Don Hansen is down in Peru, lost children of Peru, and he went with $3,000 from you. I love that. Brian and Lori and Lindsay, you, most, some of you guys know them. We were able to bless them. Love that. There's a joy in being able to do that. When you give your time to somebody, there's joy in that. It may be tiresome. It may be hard, but there's a great joy in that. When you stretch yourself and go work with the kids or get on the worship team, or help us in the video department, wherever your talent or ability could be used, the coffee bar, greeters. When you jump into those things, yeah, it might make you uncomfortable, it might be tiresome again, 
But there's a great joy in that because God gave us all these things so that we would steward them for our enjoyment. So here's what I want to do. I want to finish by saying this. How are you using your resources? Felt like the Lord led me to just ask you a couple questions. Think about these things this week. Number one, how are you spending your time? Is your time multiplying or do you feel like your time is being buried? My time, most of the time, feels like it's being buried. I'm just being completely honest. This is one area in my life that you just have to be so intentional with it. Because if you're not intentional with it, then what happens is the enemy comes and just takes it away and it's like, where did it all go? We need to be proactive and intentional with our time. How about their talent or talents? What, do you, what, what are your talents? What are your giftings? Are you using them for the purpose God gave them for? We are all created for purpose and plan. He has each, he, the word of God says he has so many plans in, in, for us that we can't even think or imagine what they are. Have you spent, when, or let me ask you this, when's the last time you actually spent any time asking him, what are my abilities? What are my talents? What are the giftings that you have for me? You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 12 ends with and 14 starts with, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. When's the last time you eagerly desired the gifts? Oh man, we could do a message on that. We, we will do a message on that. Number three, how about this? How would you answer this question? I believe the money I have is mine or is God's? <laughs> it's like in Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. Here's the second part that I really want you to focus on, though. How does the answer to this question change your view on generosity? How does it change how you would handle your financial provision if you realized it wasn't yours? Or do you think it is yours? And what does that do in regards to the doors for generosity to be open? Next week, we're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to actually talk about money. We're going to talk about what does God view, how does God view money? How should we handle our money? What does it look like to be generous? We'll get into some of those things, God-centered, giving God-centered finances, kind of take a look into that. Um, I'm taking three weeks in this portion of the series because when I did the survey where you guys said, hey, would you teach? Many people actually put, would you teach on provision or finances or stewardship? And so we're taking an extra week on this just because we felt like so many people actually responded in that survey in that way. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you've given us your possessions. God, we thank you for the fact that you've entrusted us with those things. And Lord, we take to heart that you have given to us your possessions based on the power that you've seen us already walk in. And so, Lord, I help I, I hope that everybody in this room is hearing two things. First, God, they're hearing where they've been and how they've been doing. But more important than that, Lord, I pray that every person in this room would be challenged by your Holy Spirit to take this message and realize that you've asked us to hold on to your possessions and that you've asked us to take our time 
our talent and our treasure and to honor you and to glorify you with them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would begin today. Start with me. Lord, I pray that I would be a better steward of the things that you've given to me. And Lord, I pray that that would be the prayer for everybody in this room. Lord, we thank you for these things and we do lift all of these things up to you so that you can get glory. In your name, amen.